Welcome to Happy Talks with Dr. Alice and Donovan. Dr. Alice Fong is a holistic naturopathic doctor and founder of Amore de Soie Wellness. And Donovan Jensen is a software engineer and founder of HowToHappy.com. Together, they're out to cause more happiness in the world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Happy Talks. My name is Dr. Alice, and this is my awesome co-host, Donovan. And today, the question we're asking is, do nice guys finish first? Our guest today, Doug Sandler, thinks so. He literally wrote the best-selling book on it, Nice Guys Finish First. He's a professional speaker, podcaster, and producer, and coach teaching others how to grow their brands in the online space. Please welcome Doug. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, Dr. Alice. Thanks, Donovan. I, I so very much appreciate uh, the invite to be on the show. I'm, I'm excited to share with your community and, and, uh, and dig in, so let's, uh, let's get rolling. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's get started with uh, introducing you to our community. And what's your story? And how did you end up in the podcast book writing space? <laughs> Career reinvention, you know, so at, uh, at 47 years old, uh, about seven years ago, I uh, or maybe eight years ago, at this point, I uh, decided that I, I came from a world of, of entertainment, I was a, um, a, a DJ in the high end social scene in the Washington DC marketplace. And I did parties and events. And it was great. But I didn't really feel like I was making my my big impact in the world. So I wanted to take all the stuff that I learned about building that business and building relationships. And I wanted to put together a book. And then the podcast, Nice Guys Finish First, came as an offshoot of the book, Nice Guy, um, uh, Nice Guys, I'm sorry, the, the podcast is called Nice Guys on Business. The book is called Nice Guys Finish First. Boy, there's a lot of nice in there. And the, the podcast came out as a result of me writing the book and looking for a promotional channel. And so when I, um, when I really wanted to make this deep impact with a, a brand new market that I had never even talked to before. I'm like, where would I find them? How would I reach them? What would I do? How would I really get my voice out to the world? Because you know, podcasting, while it may seem like there's some crossover between that and DJing, the marketing of it is all different. You're not marketing to a, you know, to a live community, you're marketing to a, an online space. And it was a whole shift and adjustment. But I, what I realized, which was so cool in that, in that shift and that change from one career to the other was that um, the relationship part of growing a business online or face-to-face -face is exactly the same. You still have to be a nice guy. You still have to tell the truth. You still have to show up for your appointments, even a week early sometimes, right, Dr. Alice? So you even have to show up, we'll tell that story later, um, but you have to show up and you have to be authentic and genuine. And you know whether you're running a garbage business or a computer agency or a marketing agency, it's the same skill set. You have got to show up, be authentic, genuine, and be a nice guy. And, um, and I really do feel like nice guys finish first and hence the, hence the book and, and the podcast as well. So it sounds like there's really two, two threads buried in there. Right. And there's this one thread of kind of this nice guys mentality and idea. And then there's another piece of, of building that message and getting it out. Uh, I think maybe first let's dig into kind of what, what the message is. Um, and it sounds like kind of, a the, this relationship building stuff has served you well, across kind of different disciplines. So what is, what is, you know, being a nice guy mean? Cause I'm sure people have a lot of surface level ideas that may or may not map onto what you mean. Yeah. You know, I mean, to put it into simple terms, it's catching people in the act of doing something right, as opposed to doing something wrong, you know, looking for the good in people. Law of attraction is obviously you're going to get what you put out there into the world. And for me, I really truly feel that uh, for me being a, a positive, not 
a fake positive person, but genuinely a positive person looking for the good in people, looking for that thing that, that, that I could compliment people on. I think that that for me, if I term that as being nice, you know, that would be a good starting point. The simple things, like I said earlier, returning your phone calls, telling the truth, um, uh, showing up on time, uh, never blaming somebody else when it's something that, you know, you could take the responsibility for never accepting all of the responsibility and, and praise for something. When you have a team around you that helps support you through the process, all of those are little micro steps on the way to, to being nice. In my opinion, nice equates to better relationships equal better business, better relationships equal better better people skills, better relationships, being nice uh, is really the only way that I could imagine going through life. Why go through it, you know, as a sad sack or as a tyrant, you may as well go through it as a positive, uplifting, genuinely positive person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of what I'm, I'm hearing in what you're saying, and you can kind of say if I'm, I'm hitting it or not, <laughs> it's just that like having integrity with um, your life and just being your word. When you're saying you're going to show up, you show up um, no questions and not making excuses. And really to, I think I can resonate with the idea of if you really want to expand yourself and make an impact with more people, that's going to, you can't just do that by yourself. You're going to need a team. You're going to need support and you need to inspire people and doing that with um, mutual respect um, showing up for them, being there for them, I think inspires people to, to fit that, that shared vision that you, you have. So does that sound about yeah, right? Yeah. And what's interesting about it is that I, I noticed, and, and again, I, I worked in an environment in an agency that represented probably dozens, if not hundreds of acts. And I was one of those acts that was, you know, competing for the business with all these other people. And I found that when I would go into the office, the agency, and build a relationship with someone, not for the sake of trying to backdoor it so that they sent me business, but genuinely wanted to develop and strike up a relationship with somebody, I found that I was winning these jobs, not because I was necessarily the best DJ under the sun when it came to the agency. I found it was because I had a really good relationship with the people that were represented me at the agency. Mm -hmm. I also found that when I, when I would compliment someone and catch somebody in the act, as I said earlier, of doing something right, I found that they would gravitate more towards me than they would to that negative Nancy or that negative Jeff or whatever in the office. And the challenge with those negative people that are out there is that nobody wants to be around them. And so I find that you really do attract a lot more towards you if you're a highly positive person um, looking for the good in people all the time. And when you look for something good in people, you oftentimes will be able to find it. Even that, that small silver lining in that really dark cloud, you will find if you, if you look for it. And I found that that's just the winning formula for me in, in building a business. And I wanted to share that through the book and then you know through the podcast as well. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And it's something that I also, uh, to a degree, had to develop over the years and, and figure out. So I want to set up a straw man and then you can kind of knock it down and, and fill in the gaps. Yeah. But let's say, okay, Doug, I'm here. I'm a nice guy, right? I, I, I try to, you know, highlight the positive, be good to people. And I just keep getting crushed. I just keep having, you know, people take advantage of me and do whatever they can. What am I supposed to do? 
Uh, what's your kind of angle or take on, on some of that idea around, Hey, there's, you know, if you're too nice, people are going to step on you. Okay. And, and that's a really valid point. And it's a point that I think that you have to understand if you're thinking, well, I just can't be fake and be nice. It just doesn't work because people just keep crushing me. I think that there is a, there is, um, a line that we have to understand that there's a difference between being a nice guy and being able to be taken advantage of and stepped on. I I would say that if somebody at the agency or in my team right now were to say, Hey, he's a nice guy, we can walk all over him. I think that they would probably disagree with you. I think that there are, there are certain boundaries that I still have set up even as a nice guy, you know, my morals and my ethics and my, and my, um, and my experience uh, lends me to believe that I can be a nice guy and still and still be able to get my way as well. It's just how we get our way. The other thing I want to mention, Donovan, is that is that oftentimes when I coach people, and that's one of the things that I do, um, you know, through my professional speaking service. On the tail end of that, there's a coaching program too. Is many people um, they really feel like they're bringing me into the wrong part of the problem. They bring me in. They've they've spent. 20 years of their career being, you know, just somebody that is a very, I don't want to say a tyrant, but somebody that has been more of a bully in the workplace than they've been a nice guy. And they turn the switch overnight. People need a little time to get used to who this new person is. Mm -hmm. So when you bring me into the part of the problem that says, Hey, I'm getting stepped on now that I'm being too nice. And I become a yes, man. I'm like, well, wait, I didn't tell you to become a yes, man. I just told you to tell the truth, return your phone calls, you know, show up one time. I gave, I give you a series of six or seven things to do in your first couple of weeks out there. Um, don't, um, don't, you know, understand that this takes a, there's an evolution of this becoming a nice guy that, uh, that's got to transpire and you, you don't expect it. It's a marathon, not a sprint. So don't expect it, expect it to be an overnight, you know, change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense to me. And I wanted to just highlight that point because it's not really a position I hold, but I imagine that's one of the most common things you run into oh, right, yeah. off, right yeah. on the surface of people just going like, well, I'm too nice. I'm getting crushed. And it makes sense that, you know, you got to find that balance between. Well, the, um, the, there's a quote in the book on chapter one, I think it was, it's by Gary Shandling. It says, if you don't think nice guys finish first, you don't know where the finish line is. And I want people to realize where the finish line for you is. It does not mean to say, you got to say yes to everything that's thrown in your direction or roll over when somebody has an issue. It's understanding the complexities of the person that you're sitting across the table with when you have a disagreement just be respectful of their time, be respectful of their position. Don't just roll over them and say, well, we're not doing it that way because I am the boss. What you may want to say is, hey, that's an interesting position. Can I ask you some questions about why you take that position so I can further understand why you make decisions the way that you do? Because I really want to understand. I'm sure you're not doing this because you want to be wrong or not correctly doing the action, but I I want everybody to understand why you're doing it so that I can help you to help yourself. And when you approach things that way, I think it's a whole different methodology than it's, it's not going to happen that way because I said so, you know, that's just not Mm -hmm. a good, that's not a good rationale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I could see this not just being applicable in business, but in parenting and just romantic relationships. Yeah. Everything in relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, My, uh, my uh, partner and I do something called the couple's dialogue. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's literally a scripted program that we go through if we're having an issue. And it's amazing how this level of communication can actually help you, even though it might seem like, man, well, that's scripted. How's that ever going to help you? Mm -hmm. But when you actually have a system and a process that you follow, 
you'll understand that, hey, maybe you have the same 10 responses to, to a problem that comes up that you didn't have before, instead of just being, you know, like, well, this is how it's going to be. You come up, you, you come about it from a different perspective. Having a system in place is, is the best thing that you could possibly do for yourself. Yeah, totally. I think my, my therapists are, or our couples therapists might've implemented something similar and it's been like, it's very structured, but it helps us communicate. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, people just want to be heard and to be understood Absolutely, and that can go a really long way. Um, but kind of like shifting gears, cause I'm curious about your, your podcast, um, which has over 1,200 episodes, been downloaded over 3.5 million times, which is really impressive because I know a lot of people out there might be creating podcasts and getting like feeling defeated because there's just so much noise and so much content and it's just like, you know, they don't last long. So I guess switching gears, if if you're cool with it, yeah. like- how, how do, how do you sustain that? Or how, what did it take to really get to that degree to where you built it? I think that, I think that a lot of people get into podcasting, but they don't really know why they've gotten into podcasting. They feel like it's just to get their voice out to the world. And that certainly is a great reason, but they don't have a specific goal that's attached to it. So, you know, I ask people when they first get started as a podcast coach, I ask people, well, if I gave you three choices, would it be easy for you to pick? Are you starting? And, and maybe we can play this game that, you know, the three of us here, when mm -hmm. you first started your podcast, did you get into podcasting because you wanted to build a community, you wanted to grow influence, or you wanted to make money? So if the, if you had to choose from those three, which one would you say that you got into podcasting for to build a community, grow your influence or to make money? For for me, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I can answer for both me and Donna. <laughs> I'll speak for okay. myself. Yeah. We started the Happy Talks over a year and a half ago. Um, really, well, it's evolved though. So it started because Donovan and I are were just very inconsistent with like putting out content, and we wanted like a platform to create consistent content that was like fun and easy and mm -hmm. you know speaking and talking about happiness and personal development was was something that lights us up so it was just easy to hop on a zoom call with each other instead of doing it individually it was just much more fun to do it yeah. as um like a group format really and um and really just i guess it i would probably maybe hit the second one most of just creating more influence by having more content available Okay. And how about for you, Donovan? Yeah. Um, you know, the background's roughly the same. I would probably lean a little more heavily onto the community side, which is to say that, you know, I, I already built a small community before that. And I wanted to make sure that I was adding more things there so that more people could potentially check out some of the information. Right. Right. And, and, and so in the beginning, because let's say that you guys were hitting maybe it from two different perspectives, one was influence and one was community, I would say, hey, let's get on just for the sake of launching the show, let's get on the same page just for a moment. It's, it will change and the evolution of your podcast will happen. But you know, building a community means going out and engaging your audience. You can't engage through podcasting. You're really just broadcasting. What you want to do is you want to uh, be able to take your podcast message and go out to the community through social media and actually engage. That's how you build a community using podcasting mm -hmm. and you build it on the shoulders of other people that have built big communities already. So you have guests on your show that have built big communities and you ask them to share it with their community. 
also. Mm -hmm. So that's community building. As far as influence, you have name brand people on your show that are, that are influencers in the space. You become guilty or uh, guilty. You become influential through association with other people that have influence. So in the entrepreneurial space, that would be people like Ariana Huffington and Gary Vee and John Maxwell. And those are people that I've been fortunate enough to have on the show. I can now use their names as, hey, they've been on the nice guys to get other VIPs and influencers on the show. Mm-hmm. So those two approaches, you can see that they're completely different from each other. I didn't say go out and engage on social media to, to build a community when it was coming to the influencers. So oftentimes people get into podcasting because they, they have an idea that they want to get their message out, but they have no methodology and they have no strategy. So making money, building your community or influencing or being an influencer have three completely different strategies. They are all byproducts of each other. You become an influencer. People eventually will buy the stuff that you're selling. You build a big community. People will eventually will see you as an influencer. You want to make money. Ultimately, building a community and growing your influence will happen as a byproduct of making money from your show. But they all have very different um, methodologies for how to actually format your message to create a story arc to so all of these things together. I didn't mean to give you a, a podcast 101 lesson, <laughs> but, but oftentimes people get into it and it's like, I don't know, I'm just going to put my content out. And, and I would say about 10 or 12 episodes, which I said in the beginning, hey, look, you're past the 10 or 12 pod fade things. You're up at 70 now. Yeah. The people around 10 or 12, they don't see the results that they're expecting. And what I throw back to them is, what, ex- what results were you expecting? You had no strategy when you went into podcasting to begin with. Mm-hmm. So we have to work backwards and reverse engineer why you have your show to begin with, even if that changes, which it absolutely has changed for us 20 times over the course of seven, mm-hmm. almost seven years podcasting. Mm-hmm. So people get into it with false expectations or no expectations at all, and they give up because they don't see any results. And I, I, I wholeheartedly try to share with people the idea of, giving yourself some space to understand why you even got into the podcasting to begin with. It took us 18 months before we even figured out. And I got into it because I wanted to not grow a community and not grow in and not build my influence, but I actually wanted to make money from my show because I was transitioning out from my DJ business into this new thing. And I'm like, how the hell do I make money at this? It took me 18 months to figure it out. And once I turned the faucet on, mm-hmm. I understood that strategy and I stayed in that strategy. We made 35 grand the first month that I turned on the money-making strategy and we haven't turned back since. So I always tell everybody, if you're getting into it for money, great, great idea. Just understand that you're going to do things differently than if you were going to do it as an influence building mechanism or a community building mechanism as well. So that was a long answer to a a simple (laughs) question, but I I wanted to share kind of the rationale behind why people would be getting into podcasting to begin with and the different reasons why people do it. Yeah, no, I think that was a really nice overview in it. you know, makes me have pause. Uh, I'll, I'll take my thoughts till later, but uh, around kind of exactly those things, like what is it that we're really driving for? Because I think we started this in, in kind of the opposite bucket, which is this is so easy. We're going to be doing this regardless, right? Like we like every week we'll be here, we'll show up, we'll do it. Uh, but we never really sat down and made a really concrete plan about, okay, yeah, sure, we're, we're going to be consistent, but what is it exactly that we're trying to produce? Mm-hmm. So that, that's given me a, a moment of pause to think about. But as you were talking, a bunch of things came to mind. <laughs> One of them uh, that I'd be curious about is, is a little bit of your journey around, um, you know, you have had some of these bigger name people on your show. I would be curious what your process for getting, you know, in contact with them was, because I'm sure you can't start from, Hey, 
we don't have anyone on our show. Let me just get right in touch with Gary V direct line. Although yeah. I guess he does give his phone number out sometimes. Anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. There, has, there, there must've been some sort of process. So I'd be curious a little bit more uh, on that specific piece, what you did to sort of build up. Yeah. And just know that everybody is promoting something at some point in their career. So for everyone that said yes, there was probably 99 others that said no. So just having the consistency and not having the, you know, you don't want to have uh, paper thin feelings of, oh my God, they said no, they're, you know, it's all over. Just know that everybody, most people are going to say no, especially those VIP guests. Most people like you and me are probably going to say yes, which is a double-edged sword. In the beginning, when I was struggling to find guests and I especially couldn't get those VIP guests, I felt like people were doing me a favor by coming on my show. It's really just the opposite. You're doing them a favor by allowing them to share their message with your community. Even the community that you have in the beginning, which is none, when you're 50 or 100 episodes in and you now have a couple hundred people listening to your show, which is pretty pretty good in the podcasting space to have a couple hundred people listening to your episode if you get a couple hundred downloads, Imagine filling a conference room with 200 people or even 50 people once a week to come and listen to your show. They're going to listen to probably most of your back catalog, especially those early on episodes that you have out there. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, when you feel like they're doing you a favor by coming on your show, you've got to change your mindset when it comes to that. You've got to know that you are actually sharing a message that they have. And right now, while your community is small, it doesn't matter. It will be large at one point. Mm -hmm. So the process, everybody's got something to promote. Um, I, I reached out to many, many publicists, many podcast booking agencies. I looked and, and saw on Amazon who had a new release that was coming out. Ariana Huffington was releasing her book, The Sleep Revolution. Gary Vee was just about to release his, his podcast. I think it was, I think it's called the Gary Vee Experience or whatever his podcast name is. Now I became friends with his, um, with his assistant, Tyler, at the time. Through, um, through social media and then through texting. He canceled like seven or eight, maybe 10 times before he actually <laughs> ended up coming on the show because other things came up. Yeah. But look, yeah. that stuff happens. Hey. And I would just tell you to have, have thicker skin than to get upset because one person says no. So I, you know, when John Maxwell came on, John's always promoting a book or a, a speaking something that he's got. He's mm-hmm. a really good get. You know, Bob Berg, the go-giver, really good get and really sweet guy. And he was a great guy to have on the show. Sometimes they'll even promote for you. And when they do, oh man, you know, you'll see a spike from 50 downloads to a thousand downloads in one episode. And if you really understand how to promote your Mm -hmm. podcast, take advantage of that wave that you're riding, even if it's for, you know, literally 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I I'm taking notes for, for ourselves for sure. But I guess like if, if someone was um, new in the podcast space and I don't know if we're, cause we're, we're at 75 ish. So I don't know if that's considered newish past no, the like growth phase, but you know, if someone was like relatively newish in this space, you know, like Donovan was saying, we, we haven't really like sat down and really created our, like our clear intention. Like, where do we even start? If we sat down, like, what do we do? <laughs> All right. I got it. I got it. So here, here's a real easy exercise for you. I want you to draw, and you don't have to do it right now. Listen back uh-huh. to the recording of this, yeah. draw a target on the center of that target. That's the, that's the bullseye. I want you to draw everybody that if you got stuck in your car with a flat tire at two in the morning, you could pick up the phone and call. Okay. That's pretty easy. That's a, li- that's probably a pretty short list. Maybe 20 names of people, or maybe five names of people that you can call on the outer list. I want you to draw, you know, on the outer circle in the middle, I want you to draw everybody that if you met at a, at a conference 
and you went up to them and said, hi, they wouldn't run for the, the door because it's like, oh God, here comes Dr. Alice and Donovan and they're about to pitch me something, but somebody that would actually have a conversation with you. Yeah. And then, and so that would be that, that middle circle. And then on the outer circle, draw everybody that's the key influencer or thought leaders that are in your space, that if you call them at two in the morning, they would not even pick up your phone. And so they're not coming to get you. And they wouldn't know you if you saw them in a, at a networking conference. And you might be a little hesitant to, to reach out to them because they're kind of up there whatever there, wherever there is. So that'll be your outer circle. Start with your inner circle. And they, those could be include your clients too. So start with your inner circle and, and call them and get them on your show and start to understand how the process works of interviewing. Now you guys have already done that. You know, you've, you're 70 interviews in. So now in your outer circle, think about the people that would ideally be suited for a few things. Number one, have big communities so that they could help you grow your community. They um, potentially could buy the services that you provide. Now, I don't know the services you provide, but if they're coaching services or if they're speaking services, or if you have online courses or any offerings, think about who would be pre-qualified to have a conversation with you and might be ideally suited to buy the stuff that you have. They're amazing guests. They're amazing guests because they still have a story to share with the world, number one. But secondly, they're also potentially customers of yours. And what better way to grow a relationship than having somebody sit in a guest seat for 30 or 45 minutes and have a conversation. And then those VIP guests, the ones that are on the outside, do what I had mentioned before, which is look and see who is promoting something. Who are those people that are on your wish list? Like if you had to draw you know, 20, people, 20 people's names on a list, who would it be even if they were like, oh my God, I could never reach out to it. Like I had um, Tom Ziegler, Zig Ziegler's son on my show. Um, it ended up that I had a connection with him. My dad was Dave Sandler of Sandler Sales and I didn't realize it, but my dad and Zig had actually a, 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 a little relationship. So what was cool about it was it was one, like one icon son talking to another icon son. And it was really easy to make that call once I realized that but I had to get out of my own way because oftentimes we're just in our own way because, oh, they would never talk to me. They will talk to you. Uh, eventually, you'll find a connection with some of these people and land those, those VIP guests for your show. Does that, does that give you some practical steps to take to, to put some people in that guest seat for you? I really love it because that's, this is an exercise that, um, of course, is applicable to kind of us and what we're thinking about and anyone else who's thinking about the, the podcasting space. But other people who are not, you know, who are listening, who are maybe not interested in this exact route, that same exercise with a few minor tweaks can help you kind of get more tangible about the relationships that you need to build or the connections that you need yep. to get connected to whoever you want for whatever you want. And, you know, it, it sounds super vague when I say it that way, but I really love that this is a, this is a very tangible way to get rid of some of that uncertainty around, well, here's this person that I really want to know, or here's this place that I really want to get access to or whatever else. And it breaks it down into, okay, well, what are, what are the actual sets of people that you know, and, and how can you start bridging those gaps and making those connections? So I love it because it's both useful for us and just generally applicable. Well, you want to get really good at what you do, whatever it is that you do, find somebody that's, that's a, a few steps down the path further than you and, and email them, text them, connect with them on social media. People are really willing, especially people that are far down the path, much further than you. They, they are so open and, and, um, and willing to give you information without feeling threatened by you being their competition, whether it's in mm -hmm. business or personally, somebody that has 
a great marriage and it seems like they have a great relationship with their significant other and your marriage is not right where you want it to be, I would say it would be great to maybe have a conversation. Hey, can I, can I ask you a couple of questions about your relationship? I'm really curious because I see this is how it appears in public. I'm curious how you got there. I mean, that's like the beginning of an amazing conversation that you're going to have with somebody that will give you potentially even free coaching to help you through it. I've coached many people that have come to me and said, Hey, can you teach me how to do this? Just even a 30 minute conversation enough to get somebody rolling down the path in the right direction is oftentimes a a, a good thing to do for someone. Yeah, absolutely. I could see, you know, if, if you want to get to point a, whatever, it's like, ask someone who's been there. <laughs> yep. Best way to do it. Agreed. Makes sense to me. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just kind of switching, switching gears, you know, um, I guess like what was the step into, like you went in with the intention of monetizing it from the get-go, like, was there any like logistical things that like needed to be put in place to make that happen? Yeah, we had no idea what we were doing. So every <laughs> every logistical thing had to be put in place. So we went into it with the idea of we want to make money, but we had no idea how to actually do that. And it wasn't even like we focused on that because we just didn't know. You know, we didn't know what we didn't know. So it's like, yeah. hey, well, how do I find VIP guests? Well, until somebody says to you, go out, go to over to Amazon and look at the people that have recently released books, you might not even be aware how to find those VIP guests. So for me, somebody said, somebody, I remember the day somebody came, his name is Steve. Steve came on my podcast. He's somebody that has been very successful at podcasting. And I was, we were probably, I don't know, 175 episodes into our podcast. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, based upon how many episodes and the amount of downloads you have, you should be making, let's say, let's take a number, a hundred thousand dollars a year from your podcast. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) and he said and this was i think it was on the air i think we had this conversation and he said how much money are you making from your show i said nothing (laughs) and he said he said well something has to change or you've got to focus on a different so until he actually like opened my eyes to the idea of you actually can make money directly from your podcast Mm -hmm. then i wasn't even aware of things like Hey, this guest, a client strategy or joint venture partnerships or affiliate relationships or selling my products or services to my community or, um, or sponsorship and advertising. I had no idea how to do any of that stuff. And those are just five ways that I've outlined just, just briefly mentioned, listed them for you. Those are five ways that I was completely ignorant about because I just had no clue. So as soon as he opened my eyes to that, my, co- my, my, uh, my partner Strickland and I said, and my co-host, we said, okay, we just have got this wrong. We just don't have a process in place. Let's just figure this out. And it took us a couple of months to get an idea together. But once we had the idea together, like I said, we turned the faucet literally at a conference that we went to with a specific strategy in mind. And that conference was worth $35,000 for us. And as soon as we turned that, that strategy on, the conference was a home run for our show. And um, you did, we didn't even need to have a show. It could have been, it, we actually relaunched, we launched another show because there was no way we were going to fit all of these people on our, mm-hmm. not to get too deep into the strategy, but we didn't have a, a platform to put these people on. We created another show just for this conference. We had no downloads. We had no show launch. We had no episodes, no anything. 
35 grand came into our, into our business the next month as a result of this strategy. And for me, it was like, holy wow, now I got it. Now I understand. And now I'm going to practice, 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 been practicing this now for five years. And we have an entire coaching program based upon this one strategy that anybody can do this. And um, that was, that was really where we started to make a real big hit with our clients. Wow. That sounds <laughs> incredible. And, um, you know, I, I mean, Donovan, I, I, I mean, we've basically made nothing. <laughs> I get it. I get it. We've been doing it for fun, but I'm like, wow, to be exposed and open to like, what could be possible. It, it like, I know people have done it and it always have seemed like, like this pipe dream. Cause I'm like, I have no idea how they did that and how they right. got there. Um, but you know, it makes sense that there should be clear strategies in place and um, guidance to, to be able to follow that plan. Well, just, just take a, I mean, can I use a brief example? Is that okay? If I, yeah. we have time for just a, a quick example. Okay. That's great. Give me either Donovan or your Dr. Alice, tell me what service that you provide to the world that's out there as a profession. What's your, what's your gig? Well, well, I am um, a naturopathic doctor. I specialize in stress and anxiety. So I have this holistic, comprehensive, robust uh, wellness program that's three to six months long. That's very detailed. That goes over nutrition and lifestyle, okay. mindset training, hypnotherapy, biofeedback, functional medicine labs the whole shabam. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. And, and, and you can tell me, I'm not giving you this answer if this is a private answer, but I'll ask it anyway, cause I'm a bold guy and this is just, yeah. again, you can be nice and be bold at the same time. <laughs> yes. What's the lifetime value of a client for you? Uh, it can, it can range from, I would say like a thousand to 5,000 probably. Okay, good. So I'm going to take the high end because that's yeah. typically, that's a great let, that's a great um, uh, service level to mm -hmm. have a podcast and be able to provide that service to your community. So yeah. do you think that those people, and can you envision somebody in your head right now who is the ideal candidate to buy that $5,000 service of yours? Is it, you have like somebody on your prospect list right now that would be like that, I know that person needs what I have and they would be really good, right? Totally. Yes. Oh, okay, mm -hmm. cool. Do you think that they have an interesting story just their back, their backstory. Do you think they have an interesting story? Of course, everyone does. <laughs> okay. And do you think they've had some wins and victories in their life that have, that have gotten them to where they are um, in, in, as a position in life? Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. And do you think that they have some struggles that, that they're probably dealing with when it comes to the stuff that, that, that you probably can fix? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Have that person on as a guest on your show. Hmm. Invite that person in, pre-qualify them for, with two ears. The one ear you're going to pre-qualify them with is how can their message that they're sharing be relatable and valuable to the mm -hmm. community that you've built with your podcast in listening to their, them sharing their message with, with your community. So they probably have an interesting story, right? And they probably have some wins and victories and pretty cool stuff. And they probably have some needs that you could solve, but you're not going to solve them on their show. You're just going to on, on, you know, you're going to discover them on the show and mm -hmm. maybe you'll help solve a little bit of that mm -hmm. at the end of the episode. It's pretty simple. You're going to say to them, all that stuff was great. And I appreciate your relatability. Hey, I don't know if you know, but some of that stuff that we talked about, it's actually some of the stuff that I, that I fix for a living. Mm -hmm. Would you be open to having a conversation about that? 
You've oh. built a 30 or 45 minute relationship with this person. You've already proven to them through whether they've listened to your show before, or they just like you now more than they did before you had that 45 minute relationship with them because geez, you've just unburdened that one of their issues and you've just served your community and you've done all the good things. You now have a month. You said, how long does it take between the time that you finish an interview to the time it actually airs? Could be a couple months. Uh, we're pretty on top of it. Two weeks. <laughs> oh, okay. Two weeks. Okay, great. So yeah. you now have two weeks in which to reconnect with them, talk mm-hmm. to them about the issue that they have or not talk yeah. to them about the idea of some or share with them. Hey, remember that stuff we talked about on the show I actually did an episode with, with Donovan a few weeks ago about that. I'm going to send that to your email. And now you're sending them information to help solve a potential problem that they've had. And you're not coming across as a salesperson because that's not really what you're doing. What you're doing yeah. is sharing their message with your community. Do you potentially see how that could benefit not only your community, but also your business as well? Yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. that guest to client strategy has been probably worth about a million dollars to my company. <laughs> yeah. And I'd, I would challenge anyone that has ever become a client through that guest to client strategy that I put into play. I would challenge anybody to ask those people, did you feel like you were you were double, you know, you were, you were like hoodwinked into coming onto the show or that you were manipulated during the interview to answer. And like, no, because you know why? Because I'm a nice guy and that's not what I do. And I, what I do is I, I walk them through potential resolution to a problem that they have while they're on the show. And I ask them at the end of the show, what happens next? Mm. I don't pressure them to buy. And if they decide they don't want to buy or they don't even want to talk about it, or, hey, even better, if I don't think that I like that person or I don't think I'm, I have a choice of whether I actually want to move further with that client or not. Mm-hmm. I have right now, because I've been doing the strategy so long, mm-hmm. we get 75 to 100 applications every week to get on our show. Wow. They're, not, they're not actually applying to be a guest. What are they applying to be? They're applying to be a client. Wow. They just don't know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. part of my pre-qualification to get people into my guest seat is actually what we just did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's all about having someone come on the show, listening to them with two messages. Do they have a great message to share with my community? And could they benefit from the products or services that I provide? And mm-hmm. if they can, and they have a good message from my community, then yeah. So of the 75, maybe only three of them pre-qualify, but that's okay. I only need one. I have one interview a week. Yeah. So that strategy, like I said, which has been so highly valuable to my business has also been valuable in helping me grow my community because now I have a much deeper connection other than just, hey, after they get out of the guest seat and their episode airs, that's the last I talk to them. They now become a valuable part of my community and they become a client of mine. So um, we teach that strategy as a, a, and all of the mechanics behind it, because it's not as easy as it sounds. There's mm-hmm. There's the automated process. There's the email campaign. There's the, there's the solicitation of the guest. There's the process by getting them on the show. There's the pre-qualification application. There's the follow-up emails. There's literally 20 things that go into that, that we, you know, I could give you all the magic and say, Dr. Alice and Donovan, go do the magic. But unless I give you the technique and the tools, it's, it's really hard because now you got to figure out all that back end stuff. And that's not, it's not easy. Sorry, I didn't mean yeah, to turn well, this it, into a lecture. <laughs> no, no, it's great. It's great. It's because I, I, I know um, from firsthand experience, like I said, our, our origins were a little bit different, but uh, the majority of people I've talked to who have, who have ever tried their hand at podcasting or started and given up was because they wanted to monetize it in some way and couldn't yep. figure out how. 
So that strategy of, of really getting, I mean, making it front of mind, right? <laughs> really <laughs> figuring out the actual steps to make money off of it. Um, I don't think is something that a lot of people have thought about or heard as they go into podcasting. They, they take it with kind of the angle that we have, which is, you know, we're just going to talk about whatever our message right. is and let it go and go from there. Um, well, it's kind we, of like, it's kind of like putting it together a podcast, not actually having an offer for your show and expecting people to buy something. Well, what are they going to buy? <laughs> you know, if you don't know your market, you don't have an offer and you don't know what your message is. So you get to know your mom. I always call that MOM market offer message. You get to know your mom. If you don't know who your mom is, then how the hell are you ever supposed to be successful at the monetization model. And what I've just shared with you is one of five strategies. That guest to client strategy is one. How about turning that guest seat into a joint venture opportunity? How about turning that guest seat into an affiliate relationship where you're inviting people on your show that actually have complementary products and services to what you provide and making a percentage of the sale? It, it's, it is the way that podcasters have... We are not Joe Rogan. We are not Tim Ferriss and we are not Ron Burgundy. So we are not going to have 4 million downloads per episode of our show. We might have a couple thousand and that's a lot, but the typical podcaster gets 200. The strategies that I've told you, you can make money and have nobody listening to your show. Guess the client strategy. You don't even need an audience in order for it to be successful for your show. So that's the, that's the area that I generally start with my clients because without money coming in the door for a podcast that has a business behind it, without money coming in the door, it's just going to become a time suck for you. And that is a horrible way for you to look at podcasting. If it's just like, oh my God, I dread podcasting because it's going to take my time. I don't want it to take your time. I want it to be a valuable resource to everyone that podcasts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this has been in very enlightening, Doug. <laughs> We're so thankful to have you on our show. Um, but we are going to be wrapping up. Is there anything you'd like to plug before we we do. So if, if anything that I said, especially during those last 15 minutes, and I didn't know the exact direction we were going to go in, but I'm glad that we went in that direction because yeah. this is the, the fun stuff that I love talking about. If you are all interested in podcasting, whether it be as a, uh, as a business or a monetization model for your own business, feel free. I have a, a program. It's called five ways to make money podcasting.com. And the number five ways to make money podcasting.com. Just go to the link, sign up and i um, happy to, it's a free master uh, mini course that you can get from there. And if you want to take it a step further, then we have coaching programs that are involved beyond that. But the, the uh, mini course is, is free for you. Five ways to make money podcasting.com. Awesome. Awesome. We're, we're going to have to check that out ourselves, but yes, we're going to put the link in the description. Check that out. If you're interested in getting into podcasts or you have a podcast and you're wanting to scale it a little more. All right. Thank you, Doug, so much for being on our show. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Dr. Alice. Thanks, Donovan. Thanks for letting me, uh, uh, you know, share my message with your uh, community. Looking forward to getting some positive feedback from them. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Happy Talks with Dr. Allison Donovan. We hope you got something of value to help bring a little more happiness into your life. What lesson or takeaway did you get from today's episode? For more tips and tools, be sure to check out my website at dralicefong.com and you can find me on my social media handles at dralicefong. You can find me at howtohappy.com and follow me on my social media handles at howtohappy. Catch, Catch you next, you next time. time.